so here we are, a very special Wednesday edition of Game of Owns, Eric Skull, and myself, sometimes called by the name Eric just uh, said there, and we're here to uh, talk about a number of different things. We're taking a little bit of a break, what a surprise, um, from (laughs) A Clash of Kings. Uh, We tend to do that from time to time. It's why it takes us uh, six to eight months to finish a book, Uh, not just because there are a lot of chapters, but... Uh, we, we are holding off on uh, the final brand chapter, which is also the final chapter of A Clash of Kings. And uh, we'll probably look to return to that on the Friday episode. Uh, but I did get a chance, and I know I mentioned it on um, either Monday's or Friday's episode, uh, to attend the Game of Thrones exhibition here in New York City, so I thought it'd be a good idea to talk a little bit about what that has to offer. So, Micah, you're familiar with uh, being a businessman in New York City, uh, climbing the corporate ladder. Yeah, well, I, I'm trying to climb the corporate ladder, but yes, I, I, I know what you're saying. I, I heard today and was shocked to know that at the Game of Thrones exhibition – you got to climb something else for a chain. Yes, and sadly it was not Daenerys. <laughs> but, <laughs> that would have been very, very awkward because there probably would have been a stand-in somebody who was just there for show. Uh, but no, uh, one of the great climbing. things about uh, the exhibition as it tours uh, to eight different cities this year uh, is the fact that you can actually climb the wall. And when when I was told this, I, I thought that you were going to you know, get ice picks or something like that, you know, similar to what happened uh, in season three with uh, John and all the wildlings as they scale the wall. But what it was was you get into the lift uh, that takes you up to the top of the wall, and it's all virtual reality. So you you put on a headset for the audio, and you put on these goggles, and through these goggles, you are looking out. Uh, over Castle Black as you ascend up the wall, and no then as way. you get to the top of the wall, you know the gate opens, and uh, you can kind of look down the passage that you would walk down to different points along the wall, and then you come back down, and, and it's really a cool view. Uh, they probably could have uh, implemented a few more interactive elements there, uh, and you know you see out over. Uh, so much of Westeros that it's uh, it's a really cool experience. You know, they had something uh, a bit interactive last time around, which was the archery, where you could you know shoot and explode wildfire out onto Blackwater Bay, and and that was really neat. Um, but I think this was was something that people who get to go to the exhibition uh, in all these different locations are really really going to enjoy. Uh, you know, I was wondering what kind of possible interactive elements, like you said could be incorporated into that um and then i came up with the idea that if they actually move the virtual reality to the men's restroom you could pee off the wall you could uh but you know it would be a little bit awkward uh even then because you have somebody who uh is escorting you uh to these lifts and you know standing guard outside as you ascend the wall so uh, it would be a little bit awkward, but uh, I, I like your uh, tie-in to uh, what happens in the books and the show with Tyrion. Well, you're all brothers anyway up there. They don't. It's true, but then you'd also have to put a version in the women's restroom as well because scaling of the wall is 
equal opportunity. Oh, oh, I see. Yes, that's true, isn't it? Well, but the way that they there. had it set up was there were about four or five different uh, lifts that you could get inside, and so you know it, it accommodated multiple people uh having this experience at once and you know i just kept waiting for something to happen i was you know somebody going to jump out from somewhere right. or you know a bunch of crows attack the uh the lift as Ooh. it was going up the wall but or you know would it feel at one point as if you were just dropping because something mechanically went wrong but uh i would still say all in all it, it's it's really cool to see you know the the amount of time and effort uh that they're putting into something like this uh, because there are so many fans out there uh, who just love the show and love the opportunity, um, if it's available to them, to be able to go and experience something like this. Well, you know, I did want to talk about this again. And I may have mentioned it briefly at the end of last week that I do have a problem with the limited availability of this exhibition. Uh, it is going to eight cities this year. It's in New York now, Mexico City, Austin, Texas, I believe, Rio de Janeiro, Oslo, Toronto, Belfast, and Vancouver. But in each of those locations, it only exists for four days. And to me, that's barely enough time to get down to those cities and back and have any kind of meaningful trip. And if you live there, it's certainly not enough time for everyone in New York City who's a Game of Thrones fan to actually be able to even stand in line and get into the exhibition. So I, I feel like... The exhibition really isn't for everybody and, in fact, really can't be seen by everybody who wants to see it. They're keeping value up. I mean, how was the crowd when you were well, there or was it for a press event that you it, were there? This was a specifically a press event. So it was really a very small tour group that I was a part of. There were three other people aside from me, but there were multiple groups that were going throughout the course of the time that I was there. Uh, and this was a much, much, much larger experience than just Game of Thrones. Uh, you were going to multiple areas, uh, that really Time Warner Studios, which was housing this Game of Thrones exhibition, had to offer. So it, they were tying this in with the, the Super Bowl weekend, everything that's going on here in New York. Uh, and it's, it's really, uh, a lot of fun, uh, for people. I'd say there's something for everybody. You you start out in the Tonight Show area. We all know that the Tonight Show is moving from Los Angeles back to New York uh, to be hosted by Jimmy Fallon. Uh, there was an area for this new show, Black Sails, uh, a pirate show uh, that Ooh. is to be released, I believe, on Stars. Uh, another show called Viking, which premiered uh, in 2013. And uh, for sports fans, there's the... Uh, ESPN Sports Center desk where you get to call a play. So uh, there's there's a lot of cool stuff that was there uh, for a lot of different people uh, to experience, and it was all driven by this pass that you had around your neck. So you could go and you could swipe it, and it would automatically then push uh, to you know social media what you had just experienced. Um, and it also created this individualized page for you so that everything was kind of housed in one area. And then when you got back to, you know, your house or your, your office or your apartment, uh, you could then choose to share it if you didn't share it right on site. So, hmm. you know, it's a collection of, of all the photos that you took and then all the videos, uh, that you took. 
So it's it's a completely interactive experience. And like I said, Game of Thrones was one portion of this. And you know, one of the things that's limiting as well that that you touched on a little bit is that this is only open to Time Warner cable subscribers. So that that limits the amount of people that can come and experience this. Whereas last year, you know, um, even though this was also at the Time Warner Center, two different locations in New York City, though, it was available to the public. I, I, I wouldn't want to get this confused between Time Warner and the people that own and run HBO with the Game of Thrones exhibition because it, it seems like the the Tonight Show or the Late Show is not going to be traveling to Oslo. Right. It's no. I mean, the, the Thrones exhibition being only one part of this larger thing that you got to see today will actually be moving on just as the Game of Thrones exhibition in four days. That's right. And and I was a little bit confused about that at first, and I wanted to talk to one of the HBO executives that were there. But what happened was they kept moving you so quickly through these areas. There's only a limited amount of time that you have to experience them, whereas last time when I was at the exhibition – it was it was another sort of media driven event, but the difference was that you could spend almost two hours there with everything that was going on, and it was more of a party type atmosphere. Um, this was much more get you in, get you out, have you experience everything along the way, and have a lot of fun. But my confusion came at the point of, well, okay, are they just borrowing all of this stuff <laughs> from the the real exhibition, which is living somewhere else? But the mm. more research that I'm doing on it, the more that I'm finding out, no, this is where you have to go if you want to see uh, the Game of Thrones exhibition in New York City. And it's possible, though, that when it does move to Mexico City and Austin and some of these other places, that it will add on some things. You know, It, it could have just been that this was a little bit of a, a sneak peek at, at what was to be offered at some of these other locations. Sure, sure. And I, I seem to recall in a press release that some of these props traveled something like 3,800 miles to be there. Yes, yeah, so we can talk a little bit about those props. You mentioned the atmosphere of the previous visit, and I do want to remind our listeners that there was an episode of Game of Owns uh, that consisted of your you know, in-person recordings during that celebration, the last time you visited the Game of Thrones studio tour. So that that does – or not studio tour, exhibition. Sorry. I'm Wow, I'm confusing franchises there. Um, but uh, really that does exist and, and I wanted to ask you specifically what was different this time around from the Game of Thrones exhibit? Did you notice different props? Did you notice different things on display? I did. Uh, I think that there are some new costumes uh, that were a part of the exhibition this time around that didn't exist uh, previously. I think that there were some props that were on display that did not exist previously. Uh, clearly, the climbing, scaling, however you want to refer to it, uh, of the wall, uh, that interactive experience is new. Uh, something that was not new uh, was your chance to sit the Iron Throne. Uh, that is uh, something that was a part of the previous exhibition. I think it will be a part of any sort of exhibition or event that uh, happens that is related to Game of Thrones. One of the things that was really cool, though, that um, the, the uh, I guess you would call them an assistant, uh, was t talking to uh, myself and somebody else who was in my group about some of the costumes and 
they said specifically with uh, Sansa's wedding dress. Uh, so that would, of course, be new uh, because uh, her and Tyrion were married uh, in season three. It actually – there is this um, this part of the dress that tells the story of Sansa Stark all the way from direwolf to lion and everything in between. So – it's uh it, it just shows you the level of detail uh that goes into making these. It's not just for show and it's not you know that they just decided to throw something together. Uh there's a lot of thought uh that goes into all of the um costumes and props on set. Yeah, and it seems like you know as with anything that is as well done as Game of Thrones is that an exhibition or some form of display uh, for these props afterwards, after they're done being used, so long as they're not destroyed, really is the perfect uh, you know, medium or format for them to be witnessed by closer eyes than the screen. It, it seems like these costumes are made to be seen up close. Yeah, they definitely are, and, and that's really where you get the level of detail. And it's good to have somebody there who sort of pointing that information out to you because it, it may be things that you overlook. As far as costumes, they had, as mentioned, uh, Sansa uh, as well as uh, Tyrion uh, from that day and Marjorie Terrell and Joffrey Baratheon. So all of the costumes from that particular scene uh, were on display. Too cool. I mean, look, I'd really love to see it. Uh, it really just has to be something where it comes somewhere – near me or even in New York for longer than four days. Um, you know, the next time it comes around, <laughs> I'd, I'd, lo I'd love to see it, but I'm going to damned if I'm not going to make a week out of it. And the other thing is that when it's in New York for four days, it's during the week too. It's not even on a weekend, the 27th through the first, that was Monday through Friday. Yeah. It, it's, it's always uh, a challenge. I think uh, with things like this, I don't know why it is uh, to be honest with you. Uh, that they do it for such a short period of time. It could be expense. It could be just wanting to get it to different locations. But I feel like in the future, they need to do a better job of finding a way to open it up uh, to the public, uh, not just certain subscribers. But you, you uh, said something before. I don't remember exactly what it was. But HBO is a part of Time Warner Cable, um, you know, or is owned, I should say, by Time Warner. So. Right. Uh, that is why there's this tie-in subscribers specifically for this exhibition. And I'm sure it's just a New York thing. I mean, there it, are it probably is. Yeah, because these mean, other countries, there Time Warner may not like legitimately may not exist over there. Um, like in European networks, they have Sky Network that runs and 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 you know subscription channels that have and host Game of Thrones that aren't HBO, and so it seems unlikely that that'll be the situation at these other events. Well, I did uh, grab some other photos of um, some costumes, and uh, Daenerys was the first one as you walked in. I did see some people uh, tweeting out photos of uh, dragons, uh, <laughs> but I must have missed them. They must have been hanging overhead somewhere. Okay. Uh, I'm being completely honest, so I, I must not have been looking up enough. Uh, but <laughs> some of the other things that um, jumped out uh, was a Brienne of Tarth. Uh, her armor, uh, I think, from that first fight that we see her in uh, when she's battling uh, for Renly. Oh. Uh, and, uh, you know, afterwards, uh, the only thing she wants is to be a part of his guard. And he, of course, 
uh, obliges. There's a shot of uh, Jamie Lannister's costume uh, from a large part of season three uh, when he's just in tattered rags, uh, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, and actually now that I'm on the uh, the page um, on HBO, there's uh, like a recent Twitter list of people who've hashtagged Game of Thrones exhibit. And uh, somebody named Lisa C has shared an image and uh, she says, Joffrey is the worst character, but don't mess with his sick armor. <laughs> um, and it's a picture of Joffrey's armor and damn, I'm telling you, she is right. Like this has got to be some of the most intricate looking. I had no idea whoever wore this was such a badass until yeah. now. It's uh, it's a lot of really uh, neat stuff. I'm I'm looking through some of the props here. Uh, they have uh, the Mockingbird pin uh, worn by one Peter Baelish. Uh, oh. They have uh, Marjorie's wedding necklace, uh, Loris Terrell's rose brooch, and the ever popular Hand of the King pin. They actually have Jamie's hand uh, that uh, was on display on top oh. of a pair of shackles. <laughs> Doesn't he, he need wore. that? They have uh, Joffrey's crown as well as uh, Cersei Lannister's choker. And Sansa Stark's necklace from Joffrey Baratheon, which, of course, I believe she gets just before her wedding. And here's one I know you're going to like. They have the uh, – what's the right term for this? The headdress worn by the Queen of Thorns. Yeah, I believe it's called a headdress. I'm trying to read the very small text that was next to all of these things, but uh, that should give you uh, some idea of the props that – you can see there's a lot of beyond-the-wall props as well. Yes, I actually saw a collage that you posted of uh, different, like, daggers and things. Yeah, a lot of different uh, daggers. I'm trying to find the original photo here as I'm talking to you so I can zoom in and give you an idea of what kinds of things. Ice climbing spikes used by wildlings to climb the wall. There you go. Uh, Ygritte's ice crampons used to climb the wall. Okay. The dragonglass daggers that Samuel Tarly finds yes. beyond the wall at the Fist of the First They Man. definitely need those. Those can't be on loan. Ice hammers used by the wildlings to climb the wall. Okay. And I'm trying to see what's all the way in the back here. It looks like a uh, skull of some sort. It's, uh, oh, it belongs to Rattleshirt. Oh. His, uh... His headdress, for lack of a better term. Yeah, we just met him in the book uh, on Monday. As you're uh, waiting in line to get a photo with the Iron Throne, uh, you get to see a, a number of cool uh, swords and daggers. Ned Stark's ice was there, making an appearance. A uh, Lightbringer, which belongs to Stannis Baratheon. The uh, ever-famous uh, crossbow that Joffrey uses and points at one oh, point no. at Marjorie Terrell, and Poor we know what Russ. else he used it for. Uh, yeah. We have Longclaw that uh, was given to Jon Snow by Old Bear. Mm -hmm. That's really it on the prop side. Uh, probably a few more things I wasn't able to uh, pay too much attention to. Uh, but like I said, I was moving through it very fast. They also have some costumes from Beyond the Wall uh, as well. Uh, Ygritte and uh, Jon Snow's, I believe. So really, uh, you know, some things that were there before, I think some costumes that were probably on display uh, heading into season three. But, uh, you know, I, I think if you're able to check it out, if you have the ability uh, to go because you are a Time Warner subscriber or you know somebody who is and they could bring a friend along because I think you can get two tickets, 
then definitely go check it out. It's worth uh, the time. It's it's worth checking out all the other areas too. I don't want to downplay them, but seeing as this is a Game of Thrones podcast, uh, I definitely uh, would promote that uh, over anything else. Uh, one of the people I was with, uh, she said, "Oh, this is the only thing I came to see." <laughs> uh, so it's it's just really cool. And if you're in any of those other seven cities, obviously. Uh, South by Southwest is going to be an amazing event in and of itself, but adding the Game of Thrones exhibition to it, I'm sure uh, we'll see some very interesting photos uh, coming out of that. And I'm most interested to see how this changes from location to location. That's one of the questions I really wanted to ask, but uh, as mentioned, didn't have the time to do it. And, uh, you know, one of my favorite, if not the one reason I really want to go and you just mentioned it, which is which made me very happy. Of course, you did this before. Is the photo on the Iron Throne? I did. I took another photo on the Iron Throne. Oh, but not another one. Here's here's the funny thing, though. You're killing me. Is that it? Actually, creaked a little bit when I sat down. So it I don't know creaked. if that was my 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 signal that it's uh, you know it's time to uh, give it up. The the first time <laughs> I sat on it was was the right time, and now this is You've not the right the time. You've angered the gods, Micah. <laughs> So uh, I just – I wasn't as happy with this photo, so I don't know that I'm going to post it to be oh, honest with you. Okay, but I will so post other photos uh, that I took at the exhibition. I, I did on my, my own Twitter, and I think I retweeted it from uh, Game of Owns. So uh, definitely uh, I'll look through some of the others I took and see if they uh, are any different than what I already posted. But uh, I think that it's definitely a lot of fun if you can uh, – get out there and i hope this is something that uh game of thrones and hbo uh and time warner if they're involved in the future uh really look to build upon and and look to make more readily available to your point uh whether it's in new york or other places i I think access is key and i think there's so many fans out there that uh they really should open it up so that more people are able to experience even just putting the throne somewhere like doesn't yeah. matter where, anywhere inside of Seven Eleven, just people put it will flock to the throne. That's there's no question. That's the most iconic piece. It is iconic uh, of 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 this show, and that's what people want to do. They want to sit on the Iron Throne. Let's face yeah. it. I'm looking at these images of uh, different people on the throne. You know, hashtag GOT exhibit on Twitter, and I have to say the most badass picture that I've seen so far is somebody uh, named Liz Taylor at Nerd in the City on Twitter. I challenge everyone who's going to the Game of Thrones exhibit uh, to have a better or even somehow try and make a cooler pose on the Iron Throne than this person. She just looks like a badass. What I might be able to make available is the video of myself dressing up as a Viking and taking part in a charge. Uh, It was quite uh, an experience. Taking uh, part in what? To say the least. Like a charge, you know, you, so they dress our group up as, as a bunch of Vikings and you, you walk into like a green screen area and there are, you know, two people who are playing the roles of, of Vikings and there's a director and, and they give you, uh, you know, your spear and your, your shield Mm -hmm. and they basically walk you through what you have to do and you're, you're watching the, uh, the screen in front of you and then, you take part in an actual action scene where you're charging at a bunch of enemies. Now that's for the Viking show, right? That's for the show called uh, Viking, which apparently was a huge hit TV show in, in 2013 <laughs> on cable. 
I think uh, they all have known. to write that on their uh, on their cover art. To uh, get people but to buy it. Uh, I can actually in the show notes, or uh, I believe um, I'm going to be uh, writing an article up on hypable.com specifically about uh, the Game of Thrones exhibition since they were uh, nice enough to provide me the opportunity to go and attend uh, this exhibition, and so. I will be be doing a little bit of a write up there, uh, but can also make available for people who might be interested in, in New York and are able to go um, some of the other uh, areas that uh, you know you might be interested in attending. So that was uh, that's pretty seems pretty exciting that you were able to go see that uh, again and see what was different and all that just uh, earlier this morning, right before work, I guess. Yes, I cleared it with work. Don't get me in trouble. <laughs> no, they knew I told them and uh, they were cool with it. So I appreciate uh, when those types of things come up that uh, I have the flexibility to be able to go. There are a number of other uh, things happening in the Game of Thrones universe. We should take uh, just a couple moments to touch on them before closing today's episode because uh, when the next episode comes, guys, we will be finishing Clash of Kings. Yeah, and so we thought we'd take a little bit of a look, uh, considering that this is not your typical chapter episode. It's some of the news that's been released over the course of the last couple of days, and uh, one of the uh, the bigger stories is uh, related to Theon, and I thought, what better person to have this discussion with uh, than, than Eric Skull? So um it it's it's not necessarily something that i think is going to surprise a lot of people because i think we've talked about it from time to time on the show uh but there has been uh, a bit of casting news uh grahame fox or graham fox as some people might call him apparently according to the resume of uh, british actor graham fox he will be playing the role of kenning in an upcoming episode of Game of Thrones directed by Alex Graves. So uh, this is a character that plays into Theon's storyline and the overall Greyjoy storyline uh, in A Dance with Dragons. So uh, as was uh, the case really in season three, they were pulling a lot of material in for Theon uh, from A Dance with Dragons as it related to uh, Reek, uh, a.k.a. Ramsey Bolton, a.k.a. Ramsey Snow. Uh, so uh, no surprise here that they would be doing something similar given how um, much of a focal point Theon was in Season 3 and continuing to develop his storyline, having to pull from material uh, that's a little bit later on in the series. Right. Um, you know, as as is explained by Arjun Fury in this news post over on Winter is Coming, uh, this will come as a little surprise to everybody, or at least fans, because uh, the fourth season casting for other storylines included characters not encountered until the fifth book. So we know that they're pulling from the fifth book to kind of complete some of these storylines. And um, Fury also says, it's no shock they need to take material for book five for Theon more than anyone else since he disappears from the books for quite a while, and they've already spent an entire season filling in the blanks of what happened in that time. So... Basically, because they continued to have Theon in season three of the show, it's logical that they will continue his story from even further along in the books in this season of the TV series. Now, as Fury uh, does ask in this news post, and I want to pose it to kind of what do you think, Micah, is, you know, will there be enough material for Theon the following year if book six does not come out as as we hope 
that it will. I really just leave it in the hands of the people who produce the show because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've talked with Brian Cogman, you know, on the show, uh, last year. We, we've, you know, had discussions and we know that, um, David Benioff and, and DB Weiss are, you know, they're, they're committed to the show. And if that means that they're going to have to look to pull in material from future books, then that's what's going to have to happen. I mean, and, and at least they know the general um, storyline and probably character path for most of these. Uh, but I would assume that, you know, that George can provide information. It's just, it's just a matter of how much actually you want to be revealed. Uh, you know, if, if you're, if you're an author and you haven't published certain things yet, uh, it begs the question then, you know, do you want that appearing on the television screen before you've actually sent it to print? Um, yeah. So, I mean, they may have to resign themselves to some of that already happening. Um, I have a feeling there will be one or two secrets that George R. R. Martin takes with him, you know, and leaves in the books. Well, I, I will, I will say this though too. I mean, George is not. Um, he's very selective about what chapters he puts out there in advance, uh, and he's put out several chapters online from the Winds of Winter, and he's read from a few at different conferences, and and one of them does involve Theon. Um, I won't say which one it is, um, though that. Obviously, just reveals that Theon is still alive and kicking. Ooh. Though I think that um, that's evidenced from some of the casting that we're seeing and some of the storylines that are being pulled in. There's, it, you know, when we're saying that hey, they're pulling in storylines from A Dance with Dragons, um, that's confirmation in of itself that Theon is still right, alive. Right, right. So. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I think what in, what's going to interest me, what does interest me about his story, the fact that it's going forward is because he's lost he's perhaps lost the right to inherit uh you know his his father's title perhaps because it passes to the next son and in the show uh Mr. Greyjoy was just like I knew I had to call him Mr. Greyjoy. Balon Greyjoy was like, "Hey, Mr. I no Rogers, longer, is that I no longer I no longer have a male heir." Um and so and his sister we know vies for power. And so, really, I want to see kind of how Theon continues in a in a in a world where, you know, having what he's lost is very important. Um, so, yeah, I'm very interested in seeing where his story goes. And if this guy Kenning, uh, for some reason, it just reminds me of Ken Jennings. I don't know if he's going to put Theon on a game show, but uh, Theon's had enough uh, fun. He just needs to get down to business and make some uh, do something useful. Uh, for a change for himself and and for others, I, I, you know, I'd like to see him become one of the greatest altruists in the book. I'd really like to see that happen. All right, well, keep hoping. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I would uh, I, I would just say though that um, you know, we'll we'll continue to get more clear casting news as we get closer to the season. Uh, if there is anything sort of new to report, I think we've we've probably heard of most of the major casting news uh, that. We will, um, you know, for some time. And, uh, the, the other story that, uh, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about was this new Game of Thrones feature that is going to be airing on February 9th. Say at what? 8.45, uh, in advance of a new episode of True Detective. So HBO is doing a great job of getting people potentially <laughs> to tune in to <laughs> new shows by putting things like this in advance of them. And uh, this is going to be a look back as well as a look forward uh, to season four. 
and it will have um, clips from upcoming episodes, behind-the-scenes footage, interviews, and cast members' answers to questions that were posed by fans. So it's going to be a 15-minute segment, again, on February the 9th um, at 8.45 Eastern, and then we'll also air at 8.45 Pacific time. So that sounds pretty cool to me, uh, and it'll be really, I think, aside from the trailer, our first real in-depth look at Season 4. I hope so. I mean, they've titled it Game of Thrones Ice and Fire A Foreshadowing. (laughs) So I hope it uh, pretty heavily foreshadows uh, the upcoming season. Just the fact that it's 15 minutes long um, excites me. And really, the interesting thing is that over on Winter is Coming, where this is posted, uh, Hear Me Roar made the news post and actually questions at the end of it They were tipped off by HBO about this whole thing in a statement. And uh, they said, I wonder where those fan questions came from, the ones that are being answered in this uh, upcoming. It's a good question, unless they just all made them up themselves. (laughs) Well, you know, we didn't necessarily see a call for questions, but clearly they have other. They have other lines of. They have other means. You know, maybe they only ask Time Warner subscribers. (laughs) Maybe for their for maybe they maybe they're all coming straight from the exhibition and they're getting those questions now. But this uh, would have had been done well. Maybe they beamed questions through their TiVo machines. Maybe, Uh, maybe they sourced them through Twitter. Hey, that's uh, what I can only assume was a transition. It was. Look at that. Uh, We're talking about Twitter now. Well, guys, it's that point in the show where we catch up on some of the replies that we've gotten, some of the responses and interactions that we've gotten from our listeners uh, to either previous things that we've said or, in general, just sharing ownery and ownageness uh, with each other and with us in the world. So first we go over to Tristan Launay's uh, tweet to us. FYI, horror and slobber are just nicknames. Horus and Haber are the real names of the twin sons of Paxter Redwine. Darn. How That's many of you. my you know I'm on a I'm on a real quest this year, Micah, to figure out how many of my owns can be invalidated by our listeners. <laughs> all of them. All all of that, yeah, I'm sure, because I, I'm very adamant that I don't give owns to point of view characters, and people just seem to really want to get in my face and tear that down. Because yet another one of my owns is no good. I gave an own to Horror and Slobber. You know, I don't recall reading that they had real names in Sansa's chapter. Perhaps it was another chapter that... uh, It was probably an earlier chapter, Tristan was pulling from, yeah. Because I I think he said uh, that... Tristan is just trying to one-up you. Sansa and Jane Poole made fun of those guys and called them Horror and Slobber. And that's great to know. But in that chapter, which is Sansa's, where they get awards, I'm, I was pretty sure, and I checked before I owned, you should always check before you own people, uh, that, you know, they really weren't given other names, that it just said horror and slobber got awards. So uh, I do apologize for my confusion. I still think those are badass nicknames, and I'm not changing my own, uh, just like before. But it's important to know that they are named Horace and Hobber. The next uh, tweet. Slash own uh, comes from Brittany Black, who says, can I give a Downton Abbey own? (laughs) Are you all right? Yeah, did that sound painful? It sounded somewhat sadistic. Oh, I can do sadistic. But no, that was was funny. I mean, okay, Brittany, 
I I guess of course you can. It's I, just of, it's yes, we share ownages anyway relevant to Game of Owns, but of course you can. Uh, going back and rewatching season four, I'm realizing that Mrs. Hughes owned the whole bloody series. Mrs. Hughes. So now when I watch Downton Abbey for the first time because I haven't seen it, I'm going to be rooting for Mrs. Hughes. Whatever her sigil is, I will be waving the banners. That's right. <laughs> It's so funny to get an own for a different series. Hey, we're all about that. We're all about the ownages. I guess, you know, there's no downtown Abbey, so. Downtown. But uh, we did get a funny image uh, sent to us, and we do love it when you send these in. Uh, this is from Allie Tarwater, uh, who said to us, Har, H-A-R. It's a picture, it's a meme of Jorah Mormont uh, looking a little bit confused or perturbed, and the words around him say, there is no word for friend zone in Dothraki. <laughs> uh, Jorah's been put in the friend zone for at least some time in the television series, as we see. We're not quite sure if he's going to get to treat Danny as well as he wants to uh, in the show, especially with that Grey Worm kid coming and uh, turning her tummy into knots. I don't know if it was Grey Worm. Or, uh, if not Grey Worm, then uh, Dario Naharis. That sounds uh, a bit more accurate. They so. all want to suit Danny. Right. Next, we have a little bit of a Twitter conversation. We love it when you include us in your interactions with each other. Uh, Brianna Goines said to us on January 23rd, which was uh, just last week, I started listening to Game of Owns back in October at episode one. I'm now completely caught up, dot, 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 and don't know what to do with the rest of my life. <laughs> Uh, we fortunately had a reply from Snow Lisi, who <laughs> probably has my favorite Twitter handle of the next hour. Snow Lisi said, been there, done that, keep calm and carry on. Very sage advice from Snow Lisi there. Yes, and uh, one final tweet here from Danielle, who says, Your sigil seems to remind me of the Disney movie Pete's Dragon. The dragon has the head of a camel. Dot, 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 lyrics... It's not easy. A dragon with the head of a camel. How have we not seen this before? Is it really the head of a camel? Does it just look like it's in the shape of a camel? Uh, Pete's dragon camel. I'm Googling it right now. Okay, it's still technically a dragon. It's still scaly, but uh, I can see where they say it looks like a camel. All right. Well, uh, we thank Danielle for sending that in. We always appreciate it when uh, people uh, find photos of our house sigil out there or try and tie it in with... Uh, Things that already exist, but we'll just be honest with you. There is nothing quite like the Game of Owens house sigil that has ever graced the face of this earth before. Yes. That's fair to say. Dragon, camel, and bear. And, uh, of course, if you would like to send us your tweets, you can do so by tweeting at Game of Owens on Twitter. We accept all forms of communication, whatever you want to tell us about. You want to send us your owns. You want to let us know how your day is going. If you want to give owns to Downton Abbey, you know. Yeah, if you want to do that, by all means, uh, clearly that gets you on the show as well. So uh, yeah, fire away. And uh, speaking of firing, if we uh, keep with the alliteration, firing, firing, Facebook, Facebook, firing. People have fired us over on Facebook. Uh, hey, I'm just making up new, new, broad, new, bold uh, – Transitions now. Shelly Bagchi uh, wrote to us on Facebook recently, and Micah, you'll have to shed some light on what she's talking about, but uh, I had to try out this backslash thing Micah mm -hmm. keeps talking about, and it really does work. 
I guess I should have believed in Micah. Is she talking about entering URLs incorrectly? Yeah. Because you told yeah, me it didn't she, matter. Remember what I – yeah, I told <laughs> them. I said Facebook.com slash backslash forward slash whatever slash you want. It doesn't make a difference. It uh, all works out in the end, and it does. So thank you, Shelly, for validating me. Nobody believes anything I say on this it's, show. It's true. Um, Shelly continues, also, I just read a summary – of all the crazy things that happen in the end of A Storm of Swords. Oh, I hope there's not any black text coming. Just to refresh my memory, not to spoil myself, and I can't wait until you guys are reading it, the unsullied reactions will be fantastic. Well, I'm glad that there's still a few things that can surprise us that are await us in the upcoming Season 4 or the end of Book 3. Me too. <laughs> but then again, I know what happens, so... I look forward to your reactions and Zach's reactions and look forward to the listener reactions for those of you out there who have not yet been privy to what happens. And if you're familiar with our Facebook, uh, which is located at the address, facebook.com slash backslash or forward slash game of owns. Yeah, I'm a, I can, I'm a bandwagoner. I can do that too. Uh -huh. If you are familiar with our wall, you will know that listeners and viewers or viewers of other listeners enjoy some of the memes and images and links that are posted on our Facebook. There are two links that were shared with us recently, which you should go and check out. The first is by Meredith Vanderbilt, who said, I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did. Sadly, I can relate to this video. It is a parody or a version of uh, Maroon 5's payphone song to the style of Game of Thrones. And for some reason, there's even some Theon in there. So go check that out. And you can view that on our Facebook as well as something from Jaspreet uh, Marwa, who said, just wanted to share this with you guys, really cool Game of Thrones in the style of traditional Japanese woodblock prints. Huh. So that actually, and just judging by the image that we were uh, shared you know, for the link, looks really cool. And it looks like somebody with a lot of artistic talent has uh, you know, done... Game of Thrones uh, scenes in the style of Japanese woodblock. So uh, nice. very, very, very cool. There's really no limit to the cool things that are shared with us on our Facebook and that we will in turn share on our brand new Instagram, which is Instagram.com or Instagram slash uh, Game of Owns. Game of Owns is our username on there. Sensing a recurring theme, it is always Game of Owns. And if you uh, also are looking for Another way to contact us still, you can email us via contact at gameofowns.com. That's our web address. Don't wear it out. You're right. Uh, people tend to wear it out. Um, but we did get an email here uh, that we'll read real quickly from Geiger. Uh, he says, gentlemen, start. No. Uh, love the show. Uh, I've been down with you cats since MuggleCast. I was listening to the Countdown Begins episode, and one of you spoke about how the show being greenlit for an additional season already, which leads me to wonder, what would happen if HBO decided not to continue with the series? Or what if they worked through six books and then made a motion picture for the final storyline? <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts on it as to how it would work if they went that route. And there are rumors that Entourage will have a post-series movie, so the idea isn't unprecedented. Thanks for all you do, gentlemen. Well, Geiger, I would like to point out that uh, The X-Files had a... Uh, several year postseason movie. I think it was over a decade. Um, the I Want to Believe film. So, uh, Entourage will not be the first, but uh, still, I think, and I find your premise quite um, 
fascinating to think that for some reason, somehow, knock on wood, uh, Game of Thrones, the series, should perhaps not continue for seven or eight seasons. What if it stops? And, Micah, what do you think? Do you think that they would, knowing the end of the book series, try and wrap up everybody's storyline? Like, would they essentially skip books and just get to the meaty, terrible end the way that Uh, shows could do? I don't think so, because I don't think they're ever going to let it get to the point where what's on TV has not yet been put in print. Because I think for George, you know, think about what that means to him, somebody who spent the better part of his life writing this series. Uh, you know, you're not going to want it to be revealed on television. The, the, really the, the, the focal points, the main plot points, you're not going to want that to be on screen before it's actually a written word and printed where people can read it. Well, uh, I, I, just... I have to disagree with you there because if the show keeps going at the pace that it's currently going at, the series will end before the last book is published. I mean, say, say well, that it, it depends goes... how you want to look at that. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking at the fact that book three has been split uh, into two seasons. Book four two could be put into two seasons. Book five, two seasons. Book no, six, it couldn't two. though. Book four could not be put into two seasons. Just judging by judge, book four is half a book, from what I understand. Uh, you know, books four and five are the two halves of a whole. If you split books four and five into two seasons, that's still a season per book. You know what well, I'm saying? It, it, it look the, these are for people that uh, work for HBO to figure out, and I'm sure the discussions have been had pretty extensively. Um, I don't think you'll ever reach the point where HBO decides not to continue with the series. I think that they probably have a pretty good idea amongst them how many seasons a show like this can last for. I think the ratings are. Um, in a great spot uh, from what we see, you know, uh, each and every week that we kind of uh, take a look at winnerscoming.net and, and see what those numbers look like uh, when it's in season. And I, and I really think that you're in a position where uh, this show isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, it It's just, it does too well and it's become a, you know, a global phenomenon. And I think that as it relates to the question about uh, making a motion picture, I don't see that happening either. You know, you might come back to eat those words, but it's always been said by by George R. R. Martin that um, the movies, just from a timing standpoint, don't have the flexibility that he needs in order to be able to tell his story. So, you know, the the idea that they could take the last book, let's just say, and put it into a two or a three hour movie. It's just not possible. I mean, that's that's why they're doing these seasons because they can get ten solid hours um, right. out of it. Um, Firefly, another example, but they at least I think in the same realm. Like Firefly was canceled, and so there were plot elements lingering that had to be put, or you know, at least they made the effort to make a movie to finish the narrative in a way. Hmm. Uh, so I guess that that is what Geiger was 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 getting towards. Well, look, I'm no expert. I mean. I, I, they could decide to cancel the show. They could decide to make a movie out of the last book. Uh, who knows? You know, it's it's always a possibility. People always, you know, they'll say that oh, never. But at the end of the day, money talks and opportunities come up. So, how cool would it be though to see a Game of Thrones movie? Let's be honest. Like I saw. Um, Blackwater screened on a, a movie theater screen and, and how gorgeous it looked. 
and really the the whole experience of seeing game of thrones in a movie theater i mean how cool would that movie be no matter what it was about no it, it would definitely be cool uh there's no question but again um i'd rather be able to sit and watch on my tv 10 hours of content versus you know two and a half three hours in a movie theater yeah that's that's fair i would agree with you there but uh, no we really appreciate the uh the question geiger it's a good one and i'm sure it'll be one that we'll talk about many times uh throughout the course of this podcast um moving forward so i think that about wraps it up uh for today uh you know a number of different outlets that eric's already touched on that you can reach us at twitter facebook instagram all game of owns and contact at game of owns.com on the email side you can Leave us some comments on winnerscoming.net. They post uh, each and every one of our episodes as disciplable.com, so you can leave comments over there as well. Uh, you can leave us a rate and review on iTunes the month of January, so nothing less than five stars is acceptable. We'll get to some of the reviews that people left on Friday's episode. All of us will uh, reunite uh, for Friday's final episode of A Clash of Kings. Uh, looking forward to having Zach back, and we will... Uh, have the uh, the final chapter. You know, I, you keep referring to it as Friday's episode, but before we recorded this episode, we agreed to record Fridays on Saturday, so I think it's important to state that the next episode will air on Saturday. What he said. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. We'll see you Saturday. We'll see you Saturday. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. That's Micah Tannenbaum. And I'm Eric Skull. Oh, no, that's Eric Skull. And really, I have really missed <laughs> Sam. Where the hell has Sam been? He's on vacation. The last, like, 20 weeks he's been gone from this Yeah, we need to get him back. Friday's episode, which is really Saturday's. Sam will be there. You should, too. I'm calling his agent. (laughs) 